Hello, welcome back. It's been a while. Today, Gino and I are going to be talking about sanctification, and we will put a little spin on it as it relates to the church. Welcome back. Hey. It's been a while. Yes. Yes. Made it through the summer. Yep. Las Vegas summer. And uh I know you're you're uh trying to survive through it without with one AC. Yeah. <laughs> my my secondary AC went out. But since that only covers the front room, the uh um normal recording studio slash big table, gaming table, fellowship table, women's Bible study table. Mm-hmm. That's out. Yeah. It's out for a while until we get that fixed. Man, you don't realize how important that table is in that uh, room. I know. <laughs> that room goes out. Yeah. Well, we're we're recording in my living room today because yep. it's AC'd. Yep. Yep. Because uh, that's wisdom, folks, because that's what heroes do. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's a quote from a movie just in case somebody's wondering why we would say that. Uh, yeah, so... We're back. Uh, that's also the way it goes in pastoral ministry. Sometimes you're busy and you just got to take care of the immediate needs mm-hmm. before getting together to podcast, which uh, I pray serves people. Uh, surprisingly enough, find out that it serves people not in Cornerstone, mm-hmm. um, but just for the record, not our target audience. Right. Yeah. But happy to have you. But uh, just, just up front again, if we say something and you and your church disagree, Follow your church, not us. Mm-hmm. Unless. <laughs> yeah, I was actually going to say, except, Unless, except for our coffee recommendations, because um, <laughs> we're probably going to lead you. We're probably going to yeah. lead you straight. Right, right. And and your tongue will thank us. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Assuming your church is a gospel church. Yes, right? yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't. I have to make sure I say that someone out there is going to. Yeah, somebody somebody would be worried about what if a Mormon's listening to your church? Well, come on. Yeah, some well, here's what I've learned. In every theological discussion, in every issue, there's always one person that likes to bring up the like gotcha question. And I think I've come to realize that the gotcha questions can be fun. Like if you're sitting around with a bunch of guys or a bunch of girls and you're hanging out and you're talking theology and you want to talk about the gotcha question, that's fine. But there's a there's kind of like I've come to realize there's actually a level of unhelpfulness that the gotcha question brings. Mm. Because in general, we're talking kind of generalities. We're even the Bible, like I, I sometimes I want to say, like, hey, we're in the middle of preaching this and you just throw in this gotcha question and the text doesn't bring up your gotcha question. Right. So maybe there's just a sense in which we're trying to positively say something. And and yes, like use wisdom, but you know what I mean. Like, does that I think make there's sense? A, I think there is a critical spirit, and the, the person with that critical spirit and that gotcha, right? He's they're just trying to find something to disagree about, and then the person that's genuinely like, uh, I don't understand this. 
Yeah, I think you have to discern that. That's the, that's the wisdom part, right? Um, so yeah, I'm trying to serve those guy, those people. Hopefully, yeah. a professor once said, "Write your papers to the middle of the road mm. to people that disagree with you, but are willing to change their mind based on evidence." Yeah, and that's I good. think that's helped because, really like, good, yeah. even even in my preaching, I actually have kind of like steered away from thinking about the two fringe groups mm-hmm. because it's like, I mean, it doesn't matter what you do, the fringe groups seem to they just cry foul at everything mm-hmm. everything's yeah. foul Agreed. so yeah you know so yeah I, I guess i guess maybe i'm trying to frame things to reasonable to in a reasonable discussion realizing that no matter what you talk about there's always the like oh i could bring it like right there's always the exception except for christ is lord mm-hmm. for the most part there's always some weird like reason you know, mm-hmm. and I think yeah. maybe that's why wisdom, I think that's why we bang the wisdom drum so much. Right. Because a lot of life, I would say, I think Keller said um, that 90% of our life is is living with trying to have godly wisdom because right. the text doesn't specifically say what to do. Mm. Yeah. Yep, that's helpful. Mm. Yeah. Um. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that's wisdom is the missing key. Mm-hmm. If if godliness looked the same, if godliness meant we all look the same, then you would pull into a church of 75 blue Honda Odysseys. Hmm. I don't know about that. Well, agreed. <laughs> agreed. Yeah. I mean, that's not the car Kyle and I are going to go pick. Right. But you see my point, right? Like if 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 everything is one thing, like if if being a Christian means you do X, Y, and Z, then all of us are going to try to have. Uh, basically, all of us are going to have the same job, same floor plan, same schedule, same car, same amount of kids, right? Like mm-hmm. and and like we'll all show up to church. It'll look like a uniform. Mm-hmm. And then the new people will come in and we'll have a class and then soon they'll learn and they'll wear the start wearing the uniform too. And then they'll go sell their Ford Broncos and buy yeah. a it's, Honda Odyssey. It's the blanket solution mindset. Yeah. That's why politics is so hard because everyone is just trying to right provide blanket solutions without wisdom. And blanket solutions are, are rarely helpful. Uh or yeah, you you always have to you always have to think deeper than just a blanket approach. Yeah, why? Yeah. Well, because we're individuals and all of our scenarios are different. And it does require uh, a level of thoughtfulness that, um, um, you know, everyone's uh, everyone manifest maybe, or, or as you say, different families, different people may manifest uh, similar problems, but the heart of that problem is uh, many times different. And so if you're trying to provide a blanket solution, you might just um, you might help the, um, the 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 immediate um, problem, but not the not the heart issue. You might solve the immediate problem, but not the heart issue. And you want to at least try for the heart heart problem. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I mean, whether it's politics or psychology, and you know, there's good things in both, right? You want to they're trying to solve problems. But you hope. Um, yeah, yeah, you're trying. They're trying to solve the problems. You hope, uh, assuming the best. 
but it lacks a, uh, a, a, a the right a biblical view of man. So, and I think that's such a big missing part of a lot of the discussions that are not that are outside of the church or outside of yeah. the biblical realm of understanding, um, understanding human beings as you you've taught through in the summer yeah. in our in our uh, summer series. Such a big deal in, in if we're going to deal with people. Yeah. Well, I think parents learn too. Um, wow, I parented kid one this way. Mm-hmm. That doesn't work for kid two. <laughs> right, right. And then kid three comes along and you're like, well, it's this is a different beast. And then kid mm-hmm. four is a different beast. And on on the one hand, yes, they're sinful. Um, and yes, they're cute because they're your kids. It doesn't matter. I've never heard somebody be like, oh, my third kid's just kind of an ugly kid. <laughs> right? Everybody finds their own kids cute. And so... Uh, but the variables are different because they're different personalities mm-hmm. and it's different when you, it's you and your parents. So there's three and it's a different dynamic when there's six people in the house. Mm. And so, right. Like your fourth kid is, was, was, there was no way your fourth kid was going to be like Judah mm-hmm. because I mean, that's just not the way God wanted. Right. Jane well, it'd to be, be. They're just so different. Yeah. yeah I, I guess, you know, I, it is, Raising kids is more like herding cats, right? Yes. <laughs> so, because they're also different, all want to go their own way, like the book of Judges, you know. Just yeah, that is that's, that's <laughs> a perfect book for parenting. Yeah, <laughs> Judges. Yeah. I'll be your Samson. Wait a minute. No, 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 no. Right. Yeah. Then you're like Deborah. No, don't want to do that. So, yeah, it's a depressing book. Mm. Hey, but this all relates to our topic on sanctification. I think so. Yeah. Um, by the way, so you and I've been traveling, mm-hmm. you hit Yosemite. Yes. We hit Yellowstone. Yep. Two of the top five national parks in the United States. Mm. Beautiful. And I, yeah, I get them mixed up all the time. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. The wise. Yeah. 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 I've never been to Yellowstone, but. Oh, I like the Yellowstone better than Yosemite. Really? But I think Yosemite has the better views. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah Yellowstone's more spread out. And whereas I feel like when I was in Yosemite, it was like all the places you wanted to be, there was just like, there was more people there. Oh. Um, but I liked I liked them both, so mm-hmm. I would not complain about a trip either. But I slightly liked Yellowstone better for the more openness um, and the different things that you see there. Oh. Yeah. That's good. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. I need to go back to Yosemite. But I really need to go back yeah, to Yellowstone. Do not go in the middle of summer. Go in late summer. Yeah, That's agreed. The key. Well, I think during school. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I normally actually this week after Labor Day is a great week to visit a national park because mm-hmm. uh, everyone's in school mm-hmm. and you travel out on Monday. Everyone went home. Yep. Yep. Now the only danger is sometimes it can get weirdly cold this time of year, mm-hmm. sooner than expected. So you gotta you gotta be prepared for right. sudden weather changes. Yeah. Right. But. Yep. We were lucky. We got good weather, and um, we were only there for really just a few hours. It wasn't like a whole day. Oh, yeah. 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 But it was worth driving through oh, the yeah. extra couple hours. Oh, yeah. So beautiful. Yeah. You get out there, and you realize God knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can paint a picture better than us. Yep. You know, it's so interesting. You take these wide wide camera shots, and um, you you then go back, and you look at it, and you in your head, you're like, it doesn't do justice to what I saw. Mm-hmm. And it's just crazy that a camera, no matter what, no, I don't care who you are, it just can't capture it all. Nope. It never, it, it doesn't do justice. 
And when, when they do try to take these like super wide, like 3d images, you can still tell it's slightly distorted from the camera. But when you're out there in person, there's no distortion. It's just, yeah. So this is my plug. Visit a national park. When you go, do not take spray paint. Do not spray paint the national park. Do not stack rocks on the trail. I will kick them over. Uh, leave it as you found it. Pack your trash. Take your food in. Pack your trash out. Um, be kind. Uh, leave leave the park better than you found it for somebody else. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah. That that's funny. We all the expectation talks and stuff we do. That's the one thing I get in the park and I'm like, okay, no Lord, remember these things you've talked about and learned about expectations and mm-hmm. I always have to have this like my own come to Jesus meeting <laughs> with my yeah. own heart because yeah. sometimes it's annoying what people do to this beautiful land. Yeah. Yeah. So. Agreed. Yeah. Cause we're all here to see it. We're not here to just be different mm-hmm. if I was, you know, I don't know. All right. Rant over. Sanctification. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the Lord was sanctifying you. Yeah, yeah, that it was. Moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's multiple sanctifying elements on a family oh. road trip. Yes. Let he who has ears understand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, I'm, I wasn't this bad for my parents. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. So, uh, what we're doing is writing a, what we're doing is we're going to write a little sanctification book online. What we're going to talk about is what chapters would you put in your book? Mm. So, we're not writing a book on sanctification, but in terms of thinking about sanctification, uh, it was like in, in kind of local church, like, hey, what, if I were going to write a book or, or teach a series on it, what would my chapters be? Mm-hmm. Um and you and I both came with kind of a list of things that we think should be in the book. Mm-hmm. So we can kind of compare notes here. Uh, it's interesting um, kind of going into this. I think you've got to define your terms. What is sanctification? Mm-hmm. So do you know how would somebody came up? And by the way, we, we are not coming into this with like pre-prepared notes. We're coming into this with like, even though we kind of prepared our notes a little bit of what we talk about, we're mm-hmm. not like, this isn't a formal paper. We mm-hmm. didn't sit down and, and make sure we have 25 sources and right. Like, yeah. Yeah. So we're not trying to like, we're, these are shoot from the hip definitions of, of where I'm at today in the Lord and how I understand my relationship with him and how it lead other people, mm. which by the way, pastoral ministry is a lot of, that's good. That's less pressure on me, Jason. <laughs> yes. It, that's a lot of it for us, right? Yeah. Is it's because you never know what somebody's going to ask. And so a lot of times it's, well, here's where I'm at today in my thinking. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that, that's, we want to do this conversational style. Mm-hmm. So if you're sitting at home with a beer or a cup of coffee, and yes, I said a beer, um, a cup of coffee or a bourbon or mm-hmm. water or Gatorade, whatever, and you were talking to other people and having fellowship, you know, in good, holy fashion, um, th- this is the kind of conversation we're trying to have here. Right. Yeah. Okay. And it doesn't bother me if you're having a beer just for the record, right. which I know bothers some people, Yeah. but it's okay. The Bible doesn't condemn it. Mm. Got to get past our personal expectations of what we think holiness is and get into the text of what holiness is. Right. So somebody comes to Gino, I've heard this word sanctification. What, what mm. does that word mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think the most, you know, first of all, like I, if I wrote a book, it wouldn't be a, an adult book. That'd be your book. Um, this can be a children's book. So it's like three chapters. Maybe Is that because two. of height? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, my books 
be more relatable to the smaller people. Probably to the bigger people <laughs> too. Uh, yeah, I think I, I just uh, simply define sanctification as growing in Christ. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's simply Good. growing in Christ. Uh, now, obviously, you got to unpack that a little bit. What does that mean? Um, you know, I, I think that um, the gospel's central all the time. Like, it never... It's never it never goes out of fashion, never goes out of date. It's not only for the new believer, but it is so central in our everyday thinking and life because um, in the gospel, you know, you have one of the big umbrella doctrines, which is union. And um, yeah, I might be jumping. No, you're good. Keep ahead, talking. But, like, but, but, but just general overview, like it'd be like gospel understanding our union um, and then um, understanding what it means to grow in Christ, which is, for me, growing in Christ is growing in biblical love. Yeah, I like it. Second um, Corinthians 3.18, but we all with unveiled face, our faces are unveiled because we've come to know Jesus Christ, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the spirit. So yeah. there's, there's Paul talking about that growing to be like Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and then union relates to that, like explain your understanding of union, mm-hmm. realizing that that's a big loaded, there's a lot there. Yeah. So give us your, your simplified, how does union fit into, to that? Cause you mentioned it. Yes. yes. So maybe define that for the listener. Yeah. I think foundationally, um, uh, union is helpful because it's part of our identity. And so it's not that, so when you think about sanctification, because how you think about God is going to define really how you think about sanctification um, and our relationship with God. So in union, um, what's been helpful to me is being united in Christ, I find my identity, I find my justification, I find my sanctification, I find who I am, so that, it, you know, the, I don't have to, the level of my sanctification is not going to change my relationship with God. So how sanctified I am is not going to affect, you know, whether or not I'm going to be in the kingdom. Because I'm, I'm already in Christ. And in Christ, I have all the spiritual blessings. They're all mine today, right now. And that's encouraging and that's helpful. And that helps me think about God's love, God's care, God's power to keep us. Um, and you know, in a very practical way that helps my sanctification because sanctification is rooted in his character and his character is rooted, you know, in in obviously who he is, but who he is, a big part of that is his love. And when I think about my sanctification, it's not just about, it's, it's, it's really how I deal with people, how I deal with what's around me. And it's so helpful for me to think about my sanctification is how I love people. Um, and that's rooted in my relationship or how I think about God. So union is so important or, or like crucial in that thinking. Yeah. So if like you're putting it on a piece of paper, there's a sense in which you would, you would draw a line up to the Lord mm-hmm. and then draw a line out to other people. Yes. So there's a vertical horizontal, which is why I think that that language is so common. Mm-hmm. And when we describe relationships and so what you're, what you're articulating is, that because you are united to Christ, you're indwelling with Christ in that relationship, and you're growing to be more like Christ. Mm-hmm. That so as the Lord transforms you, He retrain He you're you're He's retraining your thinking, mm-hmm. 
And things that you used to like, you now may dislike. Things that you used to dislike, you now may like. Things that you used to not be motivated to do, your motivations have changed. And where that's primarily seen in what you're saying is in your love for other people. Mm-hmm. As God continues to say, okay, look, no, these other people are valuable. And here's how I deal with people. Now you reflect, which again, so you can see this very fluid, mm-hmm. horizontal, vertical. Yeah. Yeah, and it's... I don't know why it's so, I mean, it's not, it, it, I guess it's, I don't want to say simple, but it's not simple really. It's like, uh, um, I don't know a better, a better way to put it, but like the more we, uh, understand our Christ's love for us, I guess, I mean, it just sounds so simple saying it that way. I don't know why it's so, but, but I, I think like if you grow in that, right. Um, your, your sanctification it's not something that you're pursuing like a list of chores. It's more like, no, I need to be like my savior, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Cause you, yeah. One, that's who the spirit is conforming you. Right. So you're naturally drawn to that. And the Bible talks about this a lot. You become what you worship. And I know I've quoted that Psalm a few times. Uh, I can, I can look up the reference here in a second, but basically the psalmist says, you know, he's talking about idolatry and he says, you become what you worship. And that concept is the same, you know, even in second Corinthians three eighteen. um, as you were talking, I, I thought about, uh, Galatians two twenty. I have been crucified. I have been crucified with Christ. Yep. And so you don't want to read sometimes you can slow down. I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me and the life that I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Uh, so there, there's a union passage yep. because he's talking about that uh, indwelling Christ. And then also First First Corinthians one thirty, But by his doing, which again, um, I think reads slow sometimes, by his doing, you are in Christ. And in Christ is a common union phrase. Uh, it's not slam dunk always union, but but in this case it is union. So you are in Christ Jesus, who he became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that just as it is written, let him who boasts boast in the Lord. Mm. So mm. I was thinking of those verses you're talking because those are union sanctification yep. verses. Yeah, great. Yeah, that's so that's so rich. Yeah. Um yeah, those are really encouraging. Yeah. Well, and in talking about sanctification, um, so I, I've noticed uh, if you want to talk about justification, that's actually a super easy doctrine to talk about. Mm-hmm. Union is kind of hard to talk about yeah, um, because there's so much there, right? And so there's this, this relational aspect of I'm in Christ, like I'm dwelling, like John talks about, you know, I am the son, I'm in the father and in the spirit and you are in, you know, you are a part of that. And so there's this like, um, there's this union and in your head you're like, well, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. And that says to some level, it's hard to like fully grasp. Yeah. Uh, I think the simple way I put it in my head is like, we get to share yes. in everything that Christ has. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's so that's why we have life. Cause he has life. That's why we die with him. Cause you know, he, he died and rose again and we're going to be resurrected with him. Yeah. Um, that's why we have justification and righteousness because we're in him. We get to share in that righteousness. And yeah. so like, that's why we conquer death because in him, 
he conquers death, right? So there's yeah. no death. There's no death for us. Yes. Uh, the promises um, that are in him are are for us. So it's like, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's but you can see. I mean, a, a book on union. There, there's a reason why there's a lot of books on union, mm-hmm. and there's a reason why there's a slight debate on what the nature of union is because it's it's a very all encompassing doctrine. Yes. Uh, if you sat down and wrote a book on justification, you could have a chapter on union. You sit, you write on sanctification. You can have a chapter on union. It doesn't matter what aspect of salvation you write about. You rightfully should have a chapter on union as it relates to union. Yep. 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 So, I mean, again, if I were writing on the cross, and you're like, you you get two chapters. It'd be like, okay, substitution union. Mm-hmm. Um, but justification's easy. Like, okay, you're declared right. God declares you righteous because of Christ by faith alone. Mm-hmm. Well, that's easy. Like that, that's a, you know what I mean? Like even though that, that easy sentence has yeah. 6,000 books on it a year uh, and everyone's solving the problem um, because there's 60 problems created in that sentence, you, you can't say that for sanctification. It's not that simple. Uh, if you simply say follow the, the rules, well, I got a huge problem with you now mm-hmm. because you just turned my relationship with God into more of like a sports game where there's rules to follow. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not a fan of that. Like I don't like you don't do life in this world with other people based on a set of rules that we all follow, you know, hi, welcome to the church. Here's 65 rules to follow. Right. You know, the, the one and others are not, you know, um, so in star Trek, there's the Ferengi and they're, they are a business they are merchants and businessmen and women, but they frown upon women. So, um, but they have these like 800 laws of, um, I can't remember off the top of my head. Transactional laws. Yeah. They, so they're basically laws of business. Yeah. And when they're, when they, when they talk to each other, they'll quote, you know, well, remember the, the law of acquisition 681 and they'll say it. And there's like, there's like 700 of them. <laughs> And it's interesting, they're legalistic in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, that's how some people think of our walk with Christ. Mm-hmm. You got saved by grace, now follow the rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll bring this up in a couple weeks in John 15, but um, it's actually interesting to me when Jesus does talk about the commandment, he really only mentions like one, mm-hmm. and that is love your neighbor as yourself and love the Lord your God. Yep. So it's funny to me how you have quote unquote, all of these commands in the old Testament that people are like, Hey, you got to follow those. And then when you talk to Christ, Christ is like, love, love one another as I've loved you. Mm -hmm. And again, we would not say Christ is trying to like be unholy, right? It's just interesting how the way he thinks about following the Lord isn't necessarily, it's not this like umpire gatekeeper or law centered, right? And yet, he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And I can understand how that statement in the Sermon on the Mount is a def- is is kind of a response to criticism while also teaching his people, listen guys, right? Because you could when you when you look at the gospel, it it confronts the legalism in us and then says, No, you're saved by grace alone. And in that confronting, right, we then go, wait a minute. And we cry antinomianism. Oh, you don't like, oh, so you don't believe in holiness. Well, that's what Christ, 
Christ's teaching would have would have incited that criticism mm-hmm. because he was teaching them you're saved by grace alone. And he was teaching them God is gracious and there's forgiveness if you turn to Christ. If you turn to God, there's forgiveness. And that, that would have incited their legalism. Yeah. And then so at some point he's like, guys, I didn't come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill it. And even in the Sermon on the Mount, he pushes back on the cultural standards from the Pharisees and he's like, look, the, the problem with your cultural standards is they're actually not high enough and they're not heart related. And so in thinking about sanctification uh, to try to kind of wrangle in 6,000 thoughts I just presented, (laughs) um, you have to realize it's not this nice little easy equation like justification because you're dealing with a relationship Mm -hmm. to the living God. And so I actually, in my, in my thought on my justification book, it's components of sanctification. Mm. It's it's fruits, it's elements, it's what goes into it. It's things to, f- so I would have broke my book down into two parts. Part one, kind of from God's perspective, and part two, what are things we need to focus on in our following Christ? Mm. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, so that was kind of my breakdown. Nice. Yeah. Um, when is your book coming out? Uh, it's not. <laughs> uh, I, I have settled on the reality that I'm not going to be a writer, so. I'm okay with that. I don't, I don't write it anyway. So I'm not going to say that <laughs> it's writing in the Christian world's weird. Cause then you've got to go market your book. Yeah. Well, do I want to spend my time marketing a book? No. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, I got a lot more to learn. So I feel like before I start writing, right. I've, you know, I really think probably in my sixties or seventies, if I'm ever going to write a book, it'll be then when I've, when I've got, when I've learned more, not that I've arrived, but right. you know what I mean? When there's yeah. more, wisdom under the belt too many young guys go out and start writing like they know what they're talking about and now i look back at myself in my 20s go hey dude you didn't know anything even in my 30s really yeah. i'm in just in my 40s so i think i'm just now starting to learn things oh yeah yeah okay. i'm there with you man yeah <laughs> i know it's like how much have i unlearned and go oh now i understand why this is a which which i actually think it makes sense while it, like in the old testament adulthood is start starts at 30 yeah. you know it's like oh that kind of makes sense it's not yeah. really i mean 18 you're you're big enough to do lift heavy things yeah which are all you're good for really yeah <laughs> but you haven't learned to like think deeply yet yeah yeah i know yeah oh it seems like gray hair would be a crown jewel yeah is that not, that should be in the bible <laughs> somewhere some, that sounds so good yep uh that was tongue-in-cheek by the way uh, as a proverb. So anyway, um, yeah. So part one, I think it was God's perspective. I had things like, um, when somebody comes to me and says, how does sanctification happen? I have a one word answer for that. Mm. The Holy spirit. Good. I'm okay with that because even in John 15, which we're preaching through right now, the God's the one that produces the fruit, not, not us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a matter of, do you have the Holy spirit or not? Which yes. is why the gospel is so central. Yeah. Um, cause he gifts us with the spirit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, the spirit confronts, readdresses, prunes, shapes, teaches, molds, shapes. I mean, that, that's what he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a, there's, there's a conference coming out here soon on the Holy spirit. And it's so funny that they're centering on the one thing that I think is overplayed and shouldn't be centered on. Gifts? Yes. Oh, it's like, yep. guys, I, I again, I get that the gifts of the Spirit are popular to talk about, 
the, the problem is we're not talking about the big things the spirit actually does. So the gifts are cool. Like they're like, it's a good discussion. I'm not saying it's not truth. Of course it's truth. Um, but what's happened, what, what I'm, what I, in my experience, what I'm seeing is people, we start talking about the Holy spirit. They're like, well, the gifts and you're like, okay, what does the Holy spirit do? Well, he doesn't give those gifts. Okay. What does he do? Mm-hmm. Well, he doesn't give those gifts. Okay, cool. What does he do? Well, he's God. Okay, good. I'm glad we got those two parts down. Now tell me what he does. And they just like, they, they have nothing to positively say. Mm. And I have a problem with that. Like you should know what the Holy spirit does. Like he is God who is worshiped. He indwells believers. He's the seal of our inheritance. And according to John 16, he confronts unbelief. He exposes sin and he teaches us who Christ is and shows us that there's hope in Jesus Christ and that there's rest in Christ. Mm -hmm. So that means he's actively participating in evangelism and sanctification. Mm -hmm. So by just camping out on the gifts, which again, I'm not saying that's wrong to discuss, but by making that the main thing, we're missing the main thing. Yeah. Yeah. If they're saying, if their message is you're gifted to love and serve people and the church, then yeah. But if it's the emphasis of the manifestations, yep. then that's not a good thing. Yeah. And again, I'm I'm a cessationist at some level. Mm-hmm. Like but but I'm also a kind of like, I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't it doesn't impact our church. You know, we're not and I guess maybe that's it. Our worship service is pretty is pretty solidified in the way we do things. Mm-hmm. So we're not we're not opening up a part of the service for somebody who thinks they can speak in tongues. So at some level, our worship service has said what we believe about the gifts. True. Um, but at the same token, by by preaching the word, you you are emphasizing the the real, like the, the active work that the spirit is primarily involved in. Mm-hmm. And that is recreating individuals to be more like Christ. Yeah. That is that is such a, a huge deal um, in sanctification. Yep. Because you have the spirit involved, sanctify us, sanctify us by your word, the words involved there. Yep. Um, and and it seems like those two things are such a big deal uh, in sanctification. And if sanctification is important, then you would think that that would be emphasized in the body life, in body life, in the church life. Yeah. Yeah. So preaching the word, right? Yeah. Uh, teaching the yeah. word. And that's what the spirit does. Yeah. He confronts, convicts. Uh, and he does it all in the right time, mm-hmm. which is why I think when you talk about sanctification, you have, to, I mean, honestly, two thirds of the book can be on the Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. Like he's literally piercing unbelievers hearts. He's, you know, he's training people. And, and the problem that I have is that oftentimes I get frustrated because somebody hasn't learned something, right? I'm very prone to learn something. And by, I, I mean, I, I think I'm, I don't think I'm alone in this very prone to learn something and then immediately expect everyone around me to believe the same thing I believe. Mm. And I often stop and forget, Oh, it actually, I didn't really realize this till 20, 25 years into my walk with Christ. Mm -hmm. So to turn around and be upset with somebody who has been saved for six weeks for not living this out perfectly is, you know what I mean? Like the problems on me because I forgot, man, for 25 years, the spirit didn't like, he didn't open my eyes to this conviction. Mm-hmm. Now, now I'm not blaming him. Right. Right. I, I take fault for my sin, but my, my point still is that the spirit had other things he was teaching me along that way. Yeah. Well, it also, uh, it also testifies to 
the character of the spirit and that, and that he's patient. Yes. You know, there, there is that patient walking with us. And it is interesting that, you know, why, why are we not all instantly changed when we get saved? We are, but it's a progression. Yeah. And we always think, well, and I don't say always, but it seems like, you know, you think you've arrived, but then 10 years later, you like laugh at that thought, you know? I know, I know. So, and then you realize, wow, how kind and gracious you are, God, yep. that you were so patient with me in my wrong thinking yep. and in my wrong doing. Yep. Um, and again, it's just, it, it, it magnifies his character, uh, that hidden work of the spirit working behind the scenes. Cause even you, know, you say like the spirit, Holy spirit, um, and, and the spirit's involved in all of those things, the, the teaching of the word, the, how we view the church, even in those relationships, the spirit's working in all those things. And we may never even mention the spirit, you know what I mean? But he's so, that's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. It's like, um, it's almost like he doesn't want to be seen, but he's always pointing us to Christ. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not letting us feel comfortable in our sin. Mm. Yeah. Yes. No, that's well said, G. I think, I think that's like, um, that's why I think you camp out on it mm. because it's, we're not, we're not detracting from people's responsibility. We're not detracting from, um, the need to walk in holiness. Mm -hmm. But see, I believe that when the spirit regenerates a person, that that person has a desire to walk in holiness. So, you know what I mean? Like the, the fear, like there's a lot of fears out there on sanctification and, and the fears are things like, well, maybe they'll come to Christ uh, and then think they can do whatever they want. And it's like, well, I don't think when you truly come to Christ, you're not coming to him to do whatever you want. You're coming to him because true salvation, you're coming to him because he is the rest and the forgiveness and the hope of life. And I think you actually want to know God. Yeah. Yeah. I think like your relationship with God actually matters. And so when you get saved, like there's a part of you, it's like, okay, I recognize God that my sins are against you and I want to be right with you. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the way I understand the spirit to lead people who are being saved. So then it's weird to think that that's like a bait and switch and all of a sudden after you get saved, you're going to, your motives are going to be to go sin. Well, you came into to wanting to know Christ because you wanted to, to be right before God. Like that is going to, that's going to stay in the believer. Does that make sense? Yeah. It, it yeah. doesn't mean there's not going to be moments of weaknesses. That doesn't mean, you know, that you're insta perfect. Yeah. Yeah, like you are like you you're right, like and it doesn't even mean you might not be obstinate for a while. You you might go through a cage stage. Yeah. You know, I I thoroughly uh am very annoyed a lot of times with internet Calvinists. One, they don't understand how much Calvin had a love for people. And so they they're very brutal. But I think they're saved. I just think they don't get it. I think they they they've been they're weaponized with the internet has allowed them to be weaponized. And they need to put the pin down and go get on their knees and pray more mm-hmm. and spend more time understanding truly what the gospel was about. Um, because, again, I, I tend to agree with, like, 95% of, one of the, what they say. It's the way they do it. And so you see my point, like, yeah. yeah. I think that, yeah, I, everyone's been that cage stage. And it's um, it's a, it's a lack of understanding of how the Spirit actually works and how the Spirit is patient. 
Um, and this is kind of where sanctification intersects with leadership a little bit because you mentioned somewhere, I think you wrote somewhere like the, the nature of freedom. Um, yeah. What, what did you say again about freedom? Was that you? Maybe. Okay, well, the, the, this idea that good leadership, yes, it, good leadership is really giving uh, a sense of like helping people there's a freedom in in good yes. leadership right yes. like it, it's almost like a freedom to make mistakes almost yes uh, a freedom to learn and rather than like right uh micro the the opposite end of that would be like micromanagement like yep. okay do everything yes overbearing yep. leadership um and really what we're doing is like that kind of leadership is really giving space for the spirit so like leadership is right um is a lot of it is teaching faithfully and then allowing the spirit to work. Yep. So that's where the freedom lies. The freedom is like, okay, our job, we're, we're freed because all we, our job is to be patient and teach. Yep. Their job is to, um, uh, you know, I guess, I guess like submit to the spirit, Yes. you know, but that takes time. Yes. That takes, that takes, yeah, it just takes time. And so, but giving them the freedom to giving people or Christians or believers church members the freedom to do that is actually allowing them to grow their own convictions yes not like downloading right we're, just, we're not just downloading behavioral patterns we're actually wanting them to grow in the right convictions because they understand christ yeah because of faithful teaching that's yep. like that intersection of leadership and sanctification yeah and that's where that's where the spirit has to come into play yes um this is why i don't think leadership by guilt is helpful mm-hmm. because at some point the guilt becomes too much and the weight around the neck becomes too much. And then the person just says, I can't do it anymore and throws their hands up and walks out the door. Yep. And they're tired. Yes, they break. And because leading by guilt is not meant to, it's, it's not leadership. Um, you and a handful of other people know that I'm in, I'm in the process of writing up a dossier on manipulative leadership Mm. that, um, unfortunately we've seen, Mm -hmm. Um, and experienced and worked with, um, whether it be a husband or, or a church member or a, a boss mm-hmm. or, you know, um, and the dossier is a lot of characteristics, but, but one of those is leading by guilt. And I don't see that in the spirit. Like, does the yeah. spirit convict of sin? Of course. But is it this like, like, again, when you read, go read John, Jesus doesn't walk up to the woman of the well, and he's not like, well, or else, you know. He, it's very much like, hey, there's hope in me. There's worship in me. Like, there, you know, there's forgiveness. And, yes, her sin comes out, but he's not, like, lording it over her. And right. I think that's an interesting, you know, Paul in Second Corinthians is not lording it over the Second Corinthians. I have every right as an apostle to tell you, but I don't want to, I don't want to have to tell you what to do Remember the gospel, right? And so, and then Philemon, the same thing with Onesimus, right? Like, hey, I could tell you, but I don't want to tell you what to do. So rather, here's like, here's something. I, please think about this and make your own decision. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's the you know the yes, the Spirit opens our eyes. Yes, He convicts. Yes, He grows us. But I think a lot of it is through influence. Yeah. And here's here's who God is, and right and. Mm-hmm. As, as people begin to realize who God is, again, because you care about God at salvation, that care for God continues to sustain through real believers, right? The, the parable of the soils and the seeds, yes, yeah, some will come to Christ, but they'll fall away later. 
but I don't think you need to minister to the true soil people because you're scared of the false soil people. Mm. Feed the true soil people and know that, that, that God is going to sustain his. Maybe, maybe that's the frustration. Maybe, maybe too much fear of X leads to Y rather than just saying, you know what? The spirit is really good at perfecting his children and making sure all of us reach the banquet table. So let's just keep teaching and loving and encouraging those people. Yeah. 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 It's freeing for both the, the, the one who's doing ministry and it's freeing for the one who's being ministered to. Yes. And, um, yeah, it's a recognition that God is the one working. Yeah. And we don't have to, I guess the other way to say it is like, we don't have to be the Holy Spirit. Agreed. <laughs> so, well, you, you said that the sanctification is process growing to be like Jesus Christ. Yes. Um, so chapter one, that's what the Holy Spirit's doing. Make us more like Jesus Christ. Mm. Uh, you talked a lot about union and Christ likeness. Uh, and those were my chapter two and chapter three in my book. Mm. Okay. So, because I don't think you can talk about this and leave union alone. Um, you talked about uh, how God justifies us mm. and transition to making us holy. That was my chapter four, set apart and made holy. So status and process, our status has changed and we are being conformed to the image of Christ. Uh, so my fifth chapter was faith. Oh. Was um, even from God's perspective, and we, we've actually kind of talked about this a little bit, but just to, to kind of move the conversation along, faith. I think... Um, Here's what John has taught me. Believers believe and believers keep believing. So a part of sanctification is continual ongoing habitual faith. Mm -hmm. And by faith, I mean trusting Jesus Christ. So it's not just accepting the gospel, right? It's not just accepting the facts. If, if accepting the facts is faith, then the demons are believers, Mm-hmm. The demons yep. accept the facts about Jesus Christ. Yep. They now they don't trust him. Yes, they, they don't, don't trust, trust him, him yep. and they don't follow him. So, mm-hmm. so part of faith is you believe it and you're willing to follow it. Yep. And it's trusting God that He is who He says He is and what He's given is true. And and there's that part of faith that says, "Okay, I will follow you because I believe you are to be followed." Right, and that's where lordship comes into play. Okay, I believe you're the Lord of my life. I believe you're a good, benevolent king who has my interest in play. And so I'm going to follow you because you're my savior. Yeah. And this, again, that's how the spirit leads us. Yes. So um, I, would have, I would have a chapter in there on faith. Okay. Um, that faith is habitual, continuous, right? Because sin can be narrowed down to unbelief. Again, you can see where sin can come in each chapter. So sin is idolatry over Christ, um, unbelief over believe, and then um, idolatry, and then pride, right? Self, again, over Christ. Mm. So, yeah, so you're saying that, um, uh, like, that in sanctification, that obedience and following part, that is so connected to faith and trust. Yes. Because truly, the, the, as you grow in your faith and trust, and maybe that's why the gospel and focusing on Christ is so crucial. Because um, as you grow in your... Because the more you know who Christ is, like I'm just thinking, like today, the way I think about the gospel is like, who else can I trust than Jesus Christ? Like, right. show me a better Christ, show me a better Messiah right. that I could follow. 
you can't find one nope. who's more loving, more patient, more kind, um, who did, who's able to conquer death because of who he is and his, his, his nature and character. You're not going to find a better Christ. Right. So it solidifies my faith and trust, which hopefully then affects the way I follow him. Right. And the things he promises, he's the only one that gives them. Yeah. 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 He, He's so, the only one that promises them and gives them, right? Yeah. It's like, so he promises rest and he does give rest. He promises mm-hmm. the spirit, forgiveness, and eternal life, and he delivers all those. Yes. In fact, um, when we get saved at some level, we start to taste that eternal life. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I have an appendix on my book, and my appendix is enjoy life mm. because I actually think there's something sanctifying about learning how to enjoy life. Mm-hmm. And um, Gavin Ortland in his book on humility confronts pride by, by one of his sections is humble people enjoy life and they don't, right? Whereas prideful people tend to, they tend to not smile, not laugh, not enjoy the things of God. And, it, and of course he says like, yeah, in their proper place, you can enjoy these things, right? And so he even says like sex and food, which again, I can hear people saying, you can't say that. And it's like, why? Why can't you say that? Like, and, and I get it. They feel uncomfortable. And I want to say that uncomfort in you is the legalism. Mm. Like God made sex. He made food. Yes, there, there are people that are struggling with gluttony. Yes, there are people that, that abuse food. Yes, there are people that abuse sex. Yes, there are people that abuse alcohol. But when you look at like if you say, okay, when is it possible to enjoy those three things in a godly way? And the answer to that question is yes. Marriage, right, at, a, at the banquet table, there's a giant feast. Well, all throughout the Bible, celebration is coordinated with a feast. Well, is there a place for, hey, we're thankful for our family, so we're going to get together on the fourth Thursday of the month in November and celebrate a time of thanksgiving for the provision of the Lord and have a big meal with the family. Uh, the Filipino culture is great at this. Uh. The Croatian culture <laughs> was great at this, right? This yeah. like, hey, we're going to have a big family gathering. There's yeah. going to be a lot of food, and, and we're celebrating life together. Yes. And so, right, that concept is okay. Yes, people abuse these things. Of course they do. See, this is why I love the hobbits. Yes. They, they knew how to enjoy life. They did. And the funny <laughs> part is, have you read that Ortland book yet? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. The funny part is he constantly brings up the hobbits as okay. an example of humility. Uh. And he'll be like, you know, when at one point um, Bilbo gets confronted with his own pride and his repentance response is to go enjoy a pipe. And it's like, yeah, because there's like, like it's <laughs> okay so to like, yeah. you know what I mean? So yeah. one of my chapters would be in sanctification, learning to enjoy the thing. Because again, when you're thinking rightfully, mm-hmm. the ribeye is not sin. It's a, it's a thanks to God for this provision mm-hmm. and for making this amazing cut of meat. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why we like that the national parks are great. Yes. It's just that enjoying the creation. Yes. Right. And just being away from the the everyday, um, you know, the everyday life things that we do, yep. and and just that quiet and that sereneness with just the family and enjoying each other. That's like intentional enjoyment of the family and and, right. and creation. Yeah. 
Uh, we're meant to do that. Yes. Yeah. Or at least three-fourths of the families. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. Um, but I'm not. Um, yeah. So, no, exactly. Like, yeah, th- there's, um, you know, and again, I get it. Somebody's like, well, but people get out there and get drunk. Yes, people abuse everything from your TV to computers to the internet to food to cars to work. You have workaholics. Mm-hmm. You're not, you know, so if we're going to, this is where the legalism, I also have an appendix on legalism and its dangers. The problem with, with that is again, I think you said in our gray issues, why do we pick what we pick? And it, that's, that's exactly right. Why do we pick some subjects, but we don't, you know, we're not walking around telling people quit working because you might be tempting the workaholic. No, what we say to the, to the, to the workaholic is no, you got to learn how to navigate this with responsibility. So when it comes to food, sex, and and alcohol, like one, you got to learn how to handle. You got to learn how to handle food with responsibility. You got to learn how to handle sex in your marriage with responsibility. Um, but yeah, you don't have to drink, and that's mm-hmm. okay. And I think that's what makes that one so difficult is because mm-hmm. it's you don't need that one, right? Yeah, and that's fine. So for some people, the wisdom is leave it alone, don't touch it, and I would advocate that. You know, just like I would say for some people, you should not go see that movie. For other people, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. I, tr- You know what I mean? Like some people are going to go see one movie and it's not going to tempt them or struggle in any way, shape, and form. They're going to navigate the sins. Every movie has a sin in it somewhere. Yep. Uh, one, it's advocate. They're written and produced by, mm-hmm. not by churches that are preaching the gospel. Two, they're not the Bible. So right away, they're fallen. They're the product of fallen humanity. Yeah. So all that to say, right? But again, that's where that's where the wisdom comes into play. Is it okay to go enjoy a movie? Of course. But you got to know when you go into that movie that you're going to see sin in that movie. I mean, the conflict is going to be sin related. Yes. <laughs> all the yeah. 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 Well, and even right now, um, the anti-hero is very popular. Yeah. So these are people that are evil that end up doing good things. Well, okay. But but then even in the Avengers, all of the Avengers are sinful human beings mm-hmm. who do not live godly lives because they don't, you know. You didn't see Thor when he was done hammering somebody, stand up and say, thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. He, th- he thinks of himself as a god. Well, you know, Captain America, the, the supposed righteous one, because he's pro-America. Being pro-America doesn't make you righteous. You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, yeah. Anyway. Always go. All all roads lead to Marvel. But yeah, I that's say. that's what I exactly. <laughs> well, it's because they replaced Star Wars. Yeah. Unfortunately, Star Wars is not held up there. That yeah. bargain. So, all right. Well, so that's I don't know. How's my part? Oh, I have one more in part one. Besides faith, the church. Yo, yes. Yeah, I don't Ooh. think you can grow in holiness by yourself outside of the church. Mm-hmm. That's that is probably an unpopular opinion among some, but I'll say it again. You cannot grow in holiness by yourself apart from the church. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And I, I'm not even, I don't even feel like I need to defend that, <clears throat> but, I, but I'll, so let me, let me positively state why that's the case. The one another's. Yep. And there's over a hundred of them in the Bible and they are all in the church context. Yep. And so the idea is that God has called individuals out, which is the set apart, which is another word for that'll use the word hagios, which is the word for sanctification. So you're the called out ones. You're the set apart ones. You're the saints, which is again, another reference to you're the holy ones. Mm -hmm. Um, So in other words, all Christians are saints and God 
designed and wired you to be in a local church, serving actively in the local church. Now, excuse me, um, the gifts, he's given everyone gifts, and um, part of that gift giving is for the local church. Yep. And so you are to use your gifts for the local church. Uh, so to just have this idea of I can sit at home and listen to podcasts and, and sermons on the internet and become more holy, nope, no, you can't. Because you are meant to, as you went back to your OG definition, you are meant to be conformed to the image of Christ. Well, there has to be an outflow of that to the church body. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, on one of the alumni pages the other day, they were talking about these gr- these people that I called groupies from a certain website. And they were saying these people are a problem. They'll come into the church. They might be around a couple weeks, but if they stay longer in a couple weeks, they'll create problems because ultimately the pastor of the church isn't the person they're listening to on the radio. And the, the problem that that's created is, right, this idea that, this guy on the radio should be the voice of your church. And the the problem is they're coming in with pride and contempt for other people. And that's the problem with the publican, right? Like, Lord, thank you that I'm not like him. And the other guy is beating his chest. Like, Lord, please forget, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm a sinner like in need of you. And, and so that contempt creates a problem. Mm -hmm. And so now rather than being engaged in local church, they sit at home with contempt for other Christians, because those other churches aren't like the guy they listen to on the internet. Mm, mm-hmm. And so they become groupies rather than realizing, Hey, part of our walk with Christ is, is realizing the spirit is, is it like people are at different points in their walk with Christ. And I'm here to be a gift and a blessing to other people. And so that's where the church is, right? Because when you actively are involved in other people's lives, it requires you to be patient. It requires you to give up control because quickly you, I mean, you know this, we, we, you and I both know we, you and I have stories upon stories that, that confront us daily that you don't get to control other people. Mm. No matter, no matter how hard you try, you, you know, cause sometimes the things we work with, you want to just pull all your hair out and go, it's so simple. And yet you, you every day it's like, okay, Lord, I mean, let's see what happens this week. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you just can't. Yeah. So all that say, like, being involved in other people, not just your wife, not just your kids, but in other people who you can't control, yep. who their eyes are on the same eyes you're on, and their eyes get distracted just like your eyes get distracted. And their presence in your life reminds you to put your eyes back on Christ and your presence in their life. And yes, they have weaknesses, but this is where humility and union come into play. That person's weaknesses don't make them less of a person. It's a reminder that God has gifted them and that I can be thankful for how he's gifted them. And you know what? It's okay. They have weaknesses too. It's a, you know, so you see what I'm saying? Like oh, yeah. you take the, you take you t- the church is the context of sanctification. Oh yeah. I think, um, man, like number one, we're called to make disciples. And if you define that as just merely making converts, you know, which in our in our in in my thinking, making a disciple is actually a lifelong process. You're in relationship with people, um, helping them to be more like Christ, as they they even help you be, be, become more like Christ. Christ in that process. Um, you know, if you have those kinds of relationships, you can't hide behind bugs. 
um, you you will be exposed. You know your your true nature. You can't hide your sin. Um, you, you can't hide your faults, and because you can't control them, um, people will react to your sin, and then. Well, guess what happens? We're required to reconcile, <laughs> right? We're required, we're required to confess sin, grant forgiveness, reconcile with, with people. And that's actually a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's then, hard. Yeah, and the church is should be the safe place to do that. Yeah, ideally, right, you come to church realizing, hey, I'm a part of other, I'm a, I'm a broken sinner, a part of other broken sinners' lives. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's good. Yep. Yeah. Um. I, I know that's one thing I appreciate about in, in Ortland's humility book too, is he was talking about um, when you realize you're united to Christ and that Christ is in the process of growing you rather than let your weaknesses become insecurities mm. or um, letting your weaknesses identify you. Mm-hmm. Instead, you recognize that my identity is in Christ and now I'm thankful for the way God has wired me. Mm. So, that I could write. So, okay, let me just get involved and use my strengths. Right. Let's put yeah. the context. Let's, let's change the phrases to strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. Use your strengths. Yep. It's okay. You didn't, we're not asking everyone to be, uh, Mary Sue's, you mm-hmm. know, which are characters and stories that are overpowered and good at everything. Oh yeah. I Jesus Christ <laughs> is the only, is the only Mary Sue in the world. Um, everyone else has weaknesses. So when an author writes somebody and there's no, I mean, even Thanos had a weakness. Mm. Um, and the only, by the way, the only reason Thanos could beat Hulk, do you know why? Power stone. He had the power stone on him. Oh, yep. Had, had Thanos not had the power stone, um, he could not have beat Hulk. Mm. And that also tells you why, um, Scarlet witch is so powerful because she almost beat Thanos with the full gauntlet. Oh. And so there's a line somewhere in there that um, anytime she creates a problem, mm-hmm. she has to be a part of the solution. This is all free, by the way. For the <laughs> This is all free. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we were talking about sanctification. <laughs> yeah. But you can see how this works with strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. Because, again, even Scarlet Witches, um, her weakness is her mind. Mm. She's, like a, she's like an immature teenager. Yep. And so because because of the struggles growing up, she hasn't matured in some ways. Mm-hmm. So if she were a believer in Christ, we could we could again recognize how how her life and how living in a sinful world and her own sin contributes to her problems. Mm-hmm. But but we would not devalue her. We would still see her as a precious human being made in the image of Christ. That's how this relates. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I yep. would, and you know, Hulk, we can embrace his we can embrace his anger. Yeah. Uh, and smash. probably use it at some point. Yeah. Hulk, could you help us with this? Yeah. I don't know who you'd want which, to Which which version of Hulk though? There's you know, there's different uh, yeah. variants. Yeah, there is. Yeah. I yeah. I could go down yeah. that road. Because I was listening last night to um the immortal Hulk, which I don't know. Oh, the, so there's multiple Hulks in it's the like, universe. Yeah. Yeah, but the immortal Hulk, yeah, is starting to come to terms with that his um, using evil for good, hmm. and starting to realize that maybe that's not good. So I don't know. Interesting. I, I, it made me want to read the series. I won't. Hmm. So okay. Um, so the church important. If you yes. take the church out of this, uh, again, and to be fair, some of the some of the most prideful Christians I've ever met uh, listen to a lot of sermons. And were not involved in churches, and they were very quick 
to show contempt for other people. Mm. And it goes back to that, that Luke 18 verse, right? That that Luke 17, 18, the story where the Pharisees show contempt for the sinner and their prayer is Lord, you know, um, thank you that I'm not like them. Whereas the other guy who doesn't show contempt, right. Is actually pouring out his yeah. heart. I feel like we're all that person at different levels. Agreed. In a, you know what I mean? And like in different some situations. People, yes. Some yes. people are just more blind than others. Yes. And then I guess like, you know, the hope is one day they will grow out of that Yeah. before they, you know, before they pass or you'd like to think that, but sometimes they just, you know, they'll yeah. still be, they'll still be in heaven with us. And uh, well, yeah, where the Lord's worked on that in my heart, to be fair, is manipulators. Mm. Because their manipulative leadership really drives me up the wall. Mm-hmm. Like to the point where I've actually started in my prayers like, okay, Lord, when I'm working with somebody that's really manipulative, help me to be more gracious and help me to think about how do I win this person to you? Because my tendency is to like Jesus, like, I have to realize the Pharisees were manipulators Yep. and Jesus, they gave Jesus a hard time and Jesus was pretty stiff necked to him. Mm-hmm. So in my head, I'm like, how do I deal with manipulative leadership? And there's a part of it's like, I am going to be stiff and that I'm not going to give him an inch. But there's also this part of it's like, my temptation is just to cancel him and kick him up to the curb. Whereas the better approach for me is to say, okay, Lord, how do I love this person and serve this person and help this person realize that that their approach to other people is sinful, selfish, and devoid of love. Mm-hmm. And the hard part with highly manipulative people is they tend to they tend to be very selfish, and so they are not willing to even listen to a fault. Mm. So even if you say, "Hey, look, I just saw you do this," they'll they'll turn around back. No, you didn't, and that they'll they'll gaslight you. Right? The problem doesn't exist. The problem is really a figment of your imagination, and you need to repent for being unloving to me. And so that, yeah. that's what makes highly manipulated people very difficult to deal with. Yeah. Is you can, it's right. So you can see, thanks like, for defining gaslighting, by the way, I keep forgetting what it means. Right. <laughs> it's right. like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's it, actually it, an yeah. excellent Star Trek episode on gaslighting too. Oh, interesting. I know. I'm yeah. telling you, next generation is a great show. <laughs> I, I know that's highly nerdy, but, but as I tell people, my right foot's in the world of nerds, my left foot's in the world of sports. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I own a fantasy football team, Gino. That's <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a fantasy because that's that fits it's where nerd like, and sports it's come like together. It's like both worlds together, yeah. Yeah. By the way, my running back did better than your running back yesterday. Did you uh, see that? Yeah. Yeah, it was tough. Uh, I'm dropping him. Well, I mean, it's only week one. Unless that's just, that's just somebody better. Yeah. That's the thing. Montgomery could get hurt and your, your running back could be fine. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, okay, so um, uh, we probably have like We'll probably do five more minutes of this. If we have to do a part two, we can. Uh, I Well, we've talked a lot about uh, these other subjects. So here's what I'm going to do. Part one was about the work of God. Part two in my book was um, things that I, uh, issues and characteristics that I believe the Lord is calling us believers to focus on. So Matthew 15 was actually very helpful in my thinking, by the way, because mm-hmm. in Matthew, I'm sorry, John 15, because in John 14, um, Jesus talks about having faith and obedience. And then in John 15, he's like, abide. abide. Yep. And I, 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 I am translating that word in my head as focus. Okay. Like just as Christ. So, okay, so focus on who you are. 
right? Just as Christ abides in us. Well, the focus for me in John 15 is focus on the word, focus on prayer, focus on following Christ and focus on love. Mm-hmm. So in, in my mind, I wrote seven, seven things that we need to focus on. And each chapter would have a section on learn, be faithful, rest in, rest in grace, and apply it to your church family. So does that make sense? Okay. So, okay. so I had seven chapters, so um, six chapters. So abide and focus on the word. Okay, so in other words, when I hear the word preached, I'm, I'm learning about Christ. When I hear the word read, I'm learning from the Lord. When I read the Bible myself, the point is to set my mind on things above and to learn and to dwell on the character and nature of the Lord mm-hmm. and to learn what it means to serve and love other people. So, right, so then my second chapter, so again, these are things to focus on. Okay, well, as you grow in your knowledge of Christ, it's going to shape who you are. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then I'm going to abide in prayer because I need Jesus Christ. I need the Lord. I'm relying upon the Lord and I have a relationship with him. So go to him in prayer. So I'm going to, I'm going to, to be faithful to pray, schedule it. I'm going to pray when I'm feeling upset. I'm going to pray when I'm feeling great. I'm going to recognize there's grace in prayer. And again, I'm going to apply it to the church. I'm going to um, try to intercede for others in the church as well. Uh, and I'm going to try to know people well enough that my intercessory prayers can be specific. Hey, Lord, for Johnny, please, you know, he's got a job interview this week, a Thursday, like help him to be clear, you know, like clear-minded, focused, and if it's your will, give him the job. Mm -hmm. Um, Number four, following, which is kind of a general call to obedience. Like, yeah, I I think you need to obey the Lord. Um, We're not under the law, so I don't think, obedience is learn all the laws from the old Testament and do them. I think the idea is, Hey, when you understand the will of God and the things God's concerned about, that should shape how you organize your life. It should shape your schedule. It should shape your interest. It should shape your prayer life. It it should shape your ethics, right? So, Hey, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm just going to confess my mistake because lying is, is sinful, but it doesn't represent God and I'm going to get busted in that lie anyway. So now when it comes to fruition, you know, now I'm not representing God in a holy good way. So uh, right obedience fits into sanctification in the sense of like, okay, Lord, um, I am going to submit my desires and I'm going to obey you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, my, my, my temptation is to just leave the house and go have dinner by myself tonight because of how annoying the family is. No, Lord. I'm going to submit that desire and I'm going to double down and I'm going to walk back into that living room and I'm going to love my family and I'm going to pour into them and care for them. You know what I mean? So yeah. yeah okay. Uh, love would be a huge chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And then I'm learning love, uh, learning that there's grace in love uh, and I'm going to apply love. And so I'm going to let the Bible tell me what love is. And then I'm going to believe the best about other people. I'm going to care for what goes on, whether they be believer or unbeliever. I'm going to have a vested interest in I want what's best for you. Um, And what's best for you is Jesus Christ. And then humility, I think, is a big part. So I'd have a chapter on humility. Mm. Uh, That's the character of Christ. Again, when God chose to work in the world, he chose to work with the tools of love, humility, grace, kindness, compassion. So choose those instruments. And then I would have a chapter to finish up on wisdom. 
that that a lot of sanctification is not again somebody was like well i just christians should have a rule you don't see rated r movies at eh, time out why don't why don't we just say be wise mm. know mm. yourself know your struggles if you need to not watch right if some war vet needs to stay away from war movies because of his ptsd then stay away from war movies mm-hmm. it's okay like yeah. you know if you need to stay away from cake because you can't control the cake then stay away from like but to make a rule that good christians it's like guys that's not that's that's not wisdom like because all of us are different people who most of us are not tempted with the same things mm-hmm. right there there's enough differences you know some people have anger issues in the church some don't well so to make a rule just for the anger people again you see what i'm saying like yeah. rule centered doesn't work so you got to have wisdom and wisdom is this idea that okay because i'm motivated to honor the lord and I care about God's character and his nature and his word. I'm going to organize my life in such a way to where I walk in wisdom. I have no problem having a glass of bourbon. However, there are a few people that I know that if I had them over for dinner, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't pour a glass of bourbon. And mm-hmm. I'd be okay. Out of a love for them and wisdom tells me, you know what? We can celebrate life together without the bourbon. And right. it's okay. Yeah. It's not a big deal because it's, it's just a drink. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, um just like some people out of a wisdom will not offer me coffee mm-hmm. because they realize that I don't want to drink their Folgers and that's okay. Yep. Like they, they, they're not offended by it and I'm not offended by it. And our fellowship is just as sweet as it was if we had coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, now I, I'll offer to bring the coffee a lot of times, but right. you see what I'm, so all that to say, um, that would, those would be my seven chapters right now with an appendix on legalism and its danger and an appendix on enjoy life. Good. I like that. Yeah. So that was mine. I'd buy the book. Yeah, okay. Well, maybe just listen to the podcast. I think we've talked about all of these seven things, too, that uh, preaching on prayer this Sunday, um, and then I'll preach on it again in in John 16. Because so in my head, I was like, I might make it a two-parter, but I was like, no, it's coming back around Mm -hmm. in John 16, so I'll just say more. Makes sense. Everything kind of overlaps at some level. Yeah. And sanctification is uh, somewhat of a bigger doctrine that where we're like humility love fits into and yeah um all those other characteristics of christ yeah so yeah it makes so. sense yeah i think under the word chapter would be a little bit on repentance like under prayer would be repentance mm. like always be willing to change your mind yeah always be willing to rethink something mm. uh, i think that's probably the the wisest most loving gregarious generous gracious people i know are willing to change their mind Mm-hmm. They're willing to rethink. Yep. And they're willing to um they're pliable enough that they can they can work with other people because they they're not so insistent that it be done their way. Mm. And so right, I just think that's like um yeah. I, I think that's sanctification. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self control, faithfulness, gentleness. Like those those should be those to me are the marks of sanctified people. Not not the person that can put on Facebook or Twitter a string of 27 sentences that articulate the relationship between aseity and justification and eschatology. Mm-hmm. Like like that, as much as that may tickle the mind, that's yeah. that's actually not the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, let me see you work with people. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, if you can't work with people, yeah. And I think that's how you find out an elder is the way they work with people. Amen. Yeah, so anyway, all right, that was good. Yeah. Hopefully hopeful. Um, I don't know. We I, we probably got more to say. We always have more to say. Yeah. Yeah. But, Girl, yeah. I think for me, just, you know, growing 
growing in Christ equals growing in love. Yeah. So it's like that's for me that's just the easiest way to like remember um kind of our growth, you know, sanctification. Um am I growing uh the question is not am I growing in, you know, all the little details of doctrine, but it's like, no, am I just am I is that translating into am I being more loving? Yeah. And am I caring about people more? Yeah. So that's a good gauge, I guess. Agreed. Rather than like the list and toward the, the checking off the list. Yeah. So. Yeah, a checklist is sign of legalism probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And and you can't oh, check, you, know you can't checklist love by the way cuz love actually requires wisdom. Yes. It's not like yeah. So Oh, I probably would have a chapter in on you're going to sin. Oh, yeah. You are like, because you're not in glorified body, you're going to sin. Yep. And so, yes, your love is not always going to be perfect. Um, you're going to do things that you are shocked you did. Mm-hmm. You're going to get angry when you didn't want to. And it doesn't change God's love for you. It does not. It no. doesn't. John Owen, the famous um, uh, reformed pastor uh, in his communion with God, talks about God's love is never increases or decreases to a believer. Mm. It is always love to the max. Like it is like, you know what I mean? Like if there was a dial, it would be 11. (laughs) Right. And never would it go, never would it need a 12 and never would it go down to a 10. Yeah. But always be 11. Yeah. I think I'm right. The believer, the rightfully understanding that is like, it should be overwhelming. It's and it's freeing. Yes, that's yes, that's what that's why I'm so the manipulative legalism. That's why it bothers me, because it's it puts people on eggshells, and I understand why those people don't enjoy life. Mm-hmm. And so when they hear things like "Yes, you can enjoy sex with your spouse," they're annoyed with that statement because in their mind, that's that's sinful, mm-hmm. and that that's eggshell mentality. And that is not the Bible. That's not the way Jesus led. Right. Yep. Well, good stuff. Yeah. Now we're hungry. Yeah. <laughs> it's burger time to go enjoy the burger, the fruit of the labor, and uh, to listen to Anthony, who we're always thankful for his intro and exit. Props to you, Anthony. Good job. And so we'll let you close us out. Mm-hmm.